This is the Sports and Entertainment Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on MarketScale. Building your brand is not around your product, so your team and your players, but you build your brand around truly this experience and this community. And we aren't in the baseball business. We are in the entertainment business, the experience business, and most importantly, the people business. Welcome into the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. I want to start off this episode of the program by talking about my favorite book, and it is Moneyball, The Art of Winning, an Unfair Game by Michael Lewis. And what he did in this book was really brought into focus a trend that was taking place across the landscape of sports. And that was where organizations were realizing that they could make smarter decisions with their resources by utilizing data that was already available to them, just right there at their fingertips. And so in making smarter decisions with their money, they were able to spend more wisely and make better decisions in the long run and allocate resources a lot better than they currently were. And that's kind of the gist of the book as I understood it. Maybe you disagree. But I loved the book because of that reason, because it was just a new way of thinking about sports. Well, that trend has recently made its way off the field of play and also into the world of fan engagement. And joining the podcast today to talk about that is the insight manager for Formula One, Max Metral. And he's going to discuss how F1 uses and collects data to drive fan connections and brand recognition and really talk about how they've increased the return on investment for their brand partners as well, just based on understanding who their audience is and how to best reach out to them. He's going to talk about some of the innovations that they've made in the world of streaming and and digital platforms and also just giving fans insight into this data and the analytics that is available. So it's really an incredible thing, the level of engagement that you can have within that sport. And I think that says something about the audience of Formula One as well. And so we're going to talk about that coming up on the show. I think it's a really interesting conversation that applies not just to sports, but also to the business world. Just the fine margins that make up the difference between winning and losing and what all plays into that. I think that that is just as much uh, true and applicable to business as it is to sports. So it's a fascinating conversation we're going to have on the show today, and I can't wait to dive in. So coming up next is my conversation with Max Metral, the insight manager for Formula One here on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Okay, joining me now on the podcast is Max Metral. He is the insight manager for Formula One. Max, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you because Formula One is a sport that is really fascinating to me. It's very interesting. And I think that um, with a sport like this, you have such small margins when it comes to uh, how the cars operate and how the drivers uh, take turns and that sort of thing. And and I think fans really connect with that. And the way that you approach the business side of this is really uh, data-driven and using a lot of analytics, which really connects in with the sport. Um, so tell us a little bit more about what you do in your role as the Insights Manager for Formula One. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, no, you're totally right. So the, the, the fact is that Formula One is a sport which is 
very data-driven as a sport. And on the business side, as you mentioned, we're also trying to replicate that approach. So the idea, as you clearly mentioned, you have a difference between the sports analytics, which is about using data to improve sports performance on the track, so from a team perspective, when from a business side, working for the, the entity, the rights holder, Formula One, it's much more about using data to improve business performance. So my job is to look after all the fan data strategy from, a, from an analytics perspective, which is basically uh, looking after the fan relationship management side of things, the database, um, also our data around our partners, and we have some key initiatives as well around these areas. Yeah, so you're mentioning just how data-driven the sport is, both on the sports side and also the business side. And then the fan base really um, kind of embracing that and thinking about the fan base that you have. Does the fact that the sport is data-driven inform you at all about who is viewing the sport and who are your who your fans are, really? Does that tell you a little bit about them, that they might be people that are interested in a certain level of analytics and interested in business on a certain level, and then uh, you can help kind of craft content for that particular person absolutely you know spot on um so to be fair with the other sports fans as well many sports fans are really like to have access to data about their at least about the players and our side is more about the cars the driver and the timing perspective but for instance uh what we see is if you log into f1.com um, during a race or during free practice or qualification, you're going to be able to have access to lifetiming data about tire usage about how do how the car is performing on different sectors, different part of the circuit. And this is really what the fans really like. And for instance, what we launched also, what we launched last year is a fantasy, a fantasy product. So you can play fantasy, pick up your team, play with your friends, play against your friends. And we see that really an uptake into that product and that people subscribing and playing the game. And because mainly it's about being data-driven, being able to predict. And we see more and more fans craving to get access to more data because most of the fans, most of them, some of the fans, they, the childhood dream was to become an F1 race engineer. So they wish they could be like sitting on the pit lane and Ferrari, Mercedes, some other, and just making this analysis, trying to see, okay, is my undercut going to work or what should I do to make sure that I win the race? They, we definitely see some trends like this at Formula One. I have this this um, uh, this idea that in sports, people will only be fans up until the point that you allow them to be. So as, as much information as you give people, you'll always find people who will want to consume that information and be involved up to that point. But if you don't provide those avenues, then you won't have fans that are at that level. So if you don't have a fantasy style game, then people you know won't be interested in certain aspects and, and, and they won't be fans up to that point. But when you open that world up to those fans and you open uh, kind of that, that door, you find that there are people that are willing to engage on that level. Is that kind of what you found? Uh, that's absolutely right. And I think it's true from every, on every end of the spectrum. Some of the very hardcore fans, the one that really love Formula One for ages, they've been watching it for many, many years, and also for the very casual fans. So what we see is knowledge is driving fandom. So the more you know about a sport, the more you understand the rules, the more you understand how it works, the better, like the, the more attracted you're gonna to be to the sport and the more likely you are to become a fan. So the idea for us is not only serve our very hardcore fans, the ones that really care about everything we do, but also the more 
like it's kind of a difficult sometimes job, but like trying to to please everyone. So the idea from a TV perspective, you don't want to make the the screen graphics too difficult to understand. You want the the timings on TV to be easy to understand, the the colors and everything else. So for instance, last year we redid a bit of everything around our on-screen graphics. So how you display the data on the screen on TV for every viewer. And the idea, we did a lot of research around it to make sure that we did we do it right for every fan from the very hard Petrolet fans to the very casual fans that may not tune in to every race just once so often. So it's very important for us to drive that knowledge, that fandom through data, but also through other things to make sure that we just keep people more engaged, as you said. The more you give them, the more they're gonna, the more they're gonna consume. Um, so one of the things that when I think about Formula One, I think about uh, brands like Ferrari and Rolex and and high end and premium brands. Do you find that your fans really uh, respond to that and respond to um, this idea that that the sport really wraps itself in? Um, brands that are premium and high-end and that there's kind of a lifestyle associated with that that fans really gravitate to, whether they actually drive Ferraris or wear Rolexes or not, there's something aspirational and something that they like about that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's mainly what the history of F1 is. Having a race in Monaco, being associated with such strong brands, that's definitely the case. But on the other hand, what, what Formula 1 was trying to do for the past few years was like re-innovating its image, changing the logo, which is just the tip of the iceberg, but it's like re-changing who we are as a brand. We're trying to build a company who is which is more entertainment-based. So the idea is we launched so many new things that are not in line with that prestige kind of kind of a positioning. So for instance, we launched an esports competition. We've done already two mm-hmm. seasons. We have fan festivals. So we're traveling to the city centers to show F1 to, 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 to the people in the city. We are in, um, we're doing many, many different things to engage more fans, to be more entertainment led. Um, and that is something that is definitely key for us as well. And that allows you to appeal to probably a broader audience. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, what we see from a data perspective is the people that are engaging with our esports content uh, tend to be much more younger, uh, much younger, but that's like, it's pretty obvious. You don't have to 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 do data science to, to know that, but it's very important for us to make sure that we keep engaging with all our different audiences and to try to provide them what they want to see. So we want to make sure that the fans that want to be able to read very technical articles about the cars, they're going to be able to find it on our website. The fans that just want to consume snackable content, uh, thirty-second videos, they can they can go on our Instagram to have access to this. Uh, the one that want to see like a Snapchat type of content, they can go on Snapchat. Uh, the, ta- the fans that want to have access more of a live type of content to understand what's happening during the race, they can go on Twitter. So we're trying to please everyone uh, so you can access different type of content per different type of platform. And that's also key to our strategy. Right, right. Now, I read that you uh, that Formula One conducted a study in 2017 that was really vast, and you collected a lot of data points. And that study found that 25% of fans between the ages of 16 and 34 wanted to watch and consume F1 through a laptop or a mobile phone. So has that really uh, kind of been the, I guess, the catalyst for uh, creating a little bit of change and, and modifying your content a little bit? Absolutely. So for instance, what happened is we only created our social media channels, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter in 2016. So we were pretty late to the party, to be honest. And and the idea is we also 
we're very protected about the formal content social media up to a few years ago where we just released a bit, kind of loosened the, the rules and, and enable the drivers and the teams to post content uh, that were relevant to the sport. So we see a, a huge uplift in engagement and followers in social media. And as you said, we want to we want to reach that core audience. And for instance, the, the stat you mentioned is also in line with the launch of our OTT product, which is called F1 TV. So it's very much the like of the, the, the same idea of the NBA League Pass is enabling the fan to see your content wherever he or she is on the laptop, mobile phone, smart TV or anything. So we want to push the content to where the fans are. Absolutely. Now, and when you push fans to where the content is, that's also valuable for your brand partners. Have they seen a better return on investment since you've started investing more in your digital strategy and in being on social media a little bit more? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the key value we we, we deliver to our partners is obviously through TV, uh, because TV ratings are still very huge for us. Uh, we have about 1.76 billion cumulative TV viewers across the year, across our 21 Grand Prix worldwide. So it's very massive. Uh, we actually saw growth in, in our TV ratings uh, this year. So it's very positive for us, um, our TV story. And obviously, we started from a bit lower from the social media perspective, having only started our social media channels not that long ago, but we see huge growth and definitely we see that uptick into in value we deliver to our partners. So the way we look at this is kind of three ways. It's more like the exposures, everything around social media, TV, which is more how do you how much do you talk about your partnership? How well do you present your partners? Uh, it's not just about the logo that you're trying to display. It's also about the story. Then the second one is more around the IP. It is how well the partner is integrated with your IP, how the partner is leveraging your core image and brand recognition and so on and so forth to, to get some value. And the last one is about direct benefits. So it's about everything that the partner may receive through hospitality tickets or through other type of, of content or, 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 or basically we can deliver to them as a direct benefit. And we see that value going up and up across the years, absolutely. So what kind of data and analytics are you collecting on a regular basis and how are you uh, assigning meaning to what you are collecting? Absolutely. So I think we have we collect data in many different ways. So for instance, on the, on the fan-related data, um, we have lots of research. So it's more like qualitative, quantitative study about who are our fans, what is the perception around Formula One, um, how do they engage, what, why did they engage with Formula One in the first place, and across time trying to keep view on this. And also we're also collecting data on our non-fans. Why don't they follow Formula One? Why don't they like it? Is there any specific reason? Is it just because they prefer another sport or they just, they just don't bother? Um, we also collect a lot of data Around the around the around the experience, so at Grand Prix we run a lot of surveys to understand what's the perception of Formula One around the hospitality. Um, we also ask a lot of questions uh, to our TV viewers. So, for instance, as I told you a bit before on the on the on-screen graphics, we want to make sure that everything we do is data informed, and that's a big difference. So. We're not data-driven per se because we feel that you can't always follow the data because you may miss some data, you, the data may be biased in some ways, the sample may not be representative enough. So we're trying to put a culture where we are data-informed, where we every decision we make, we make sure we have some data that inform the decision. But if we want to do something which the data may not tell us the full story on it, we 
we want to be make sure that we can make the decision as well. So that's a big thing to be data informed. And finally, the two other missing points are all the database related data. So everything we collect from the different, um, so when you play fantasy, uh, you, you put your email in it so that we, we know who you are and, and we see you playing so we can make your recommendations based on what you do. Uh, when you use our digital products, whether if it's the website, the app, uh, the F1 TV or other products, we also collect some data on it. So we have a kind of a 360 database to make sure that we understand everything we can about all our fans. Yeah, that's wow. That's really fascinating, and that's uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff that you guys are, are working through <laughs> on a regular basis. And I really do like and appreciate what you said about your your data informed. Um, because that's uh, that that's important, but also then running that through a filter of does this make sense? You know, was the study biased in some sort of way? Just to make sure that you aren't making big sweeping decisions um, off of uh, you know a number that might be flawed or something like that. So I think that that's a smart approach. Absolutely. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I read an article, I guess a blog post that you posted on LinkedIn a couple of years ago, uh, where you asked, are data nerds the next king of sports? And I thought that this was really interesting and a really interesting idea because I read the book Moneyball. I'm a big baseball fan and I loved the book. Um, what is your opinion on this? Uh, moving forward, uh, as, as data becomes a larger and larger uh, part of sports in general, do you think that this trend will continue where uh, data scientists will become more and more, uh, I guess, a valued commodity across sports, uh, not only for the sports side, but also for a little bit more of what you do for your business insights and being able to position uh, a sport in a place in the market where it can thrive? That's a really good question. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure if the data nerds are the next kings of sports, <laughs> but I do think that they might have a shot for the title. Um, so the idea is, especially in baseball, uh, they had to fight through a lot of cultural culture about like the old players becoming coach and becoming GMs and then living through the biases about what is what makes a good player and what data you should look at to find a good player, which was the batting average before they had any other meaningful stats or before they were looking into looking any other meaningful stats. And for me, the idea is you mentioned the job of a data scientist. And I think that that's something that that's a common mistake that's been made um, in some companies where after Moneyball has been published, many clubs in sports companies wanted to, okay, I want to do the same. So they say, okay, I'm going to hire my own Paul De Podesta, who was at the time the one doing all the analysis for Billy Bean. But the idea what they got wrong is having a data scientist isn't isn't the solution because the data scientist may, be, may have a good, good analysis. It doesn't mean that it's going to make good recommendation. And for me, I'm going to quote an article that I didn't write but that I find it really fascinating, which is from Harvard Business Review, which is called, you don't have to be a data scientist to fit in this must have analytics role. And they call about a new, they talk about a new type of people. They call them translators. I'm not a big fan of the name, but whatever. So that for them, the translators are the people that can be in between the data guys and the business guys, and they can make the transition. So they can, trans they can translate a business problem, such as, let's say you're, you're, which team you support in, in baseball? Uh, the Texas Rangers. So let's say you're the Texas Rangers and they're going through the renewal for the season ticket holders and they see that halfway through the renewal period, they are lower than, than last year on the renewal. So they, that they're going to say, okay, something is wrong. We don't know what's wrong. 
And the data scientists may not know what they want to see. So it's like, okay, what do you want me to analyze? And they may not know exactly what the data is available. So you need someone in between who can say, okay, then I think talking to the data scientists, taking that business problem, okay, maybe you should look at this, 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 and that, and taking the analysis from the data scientist saying, okay, we should do this, this, then that, and like making it business related. So I think the big play is about these people and more and more in the future that could be the, that could do the transition. And I think this is where the, the next step is. And actually, I think based on what I've read, I like I like baseball. I'm not I'm not a big fan, but what I've read is pretty much what the uh, what the uh, Houston Astros um, they've done in the organization is changing the culture, which I think is a much bigger challenge than just hiring a data scientist. Because ideally, if you want to make your organization data driven or data informed, it has to come from the top. It's very hard to make it bottom up. So I do think this is what's going to change the future. And, and that's why most of these MLB uh, teams, the Dodgers and others, they have like former Yale, Cornell, MIT, Adam, Adam, Adam Nye, uh, who has done like degrees in computer science to drive the company because they want someone from the top who can drive this transition. Yeah, so that's that's really interesting to me because I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people put the the cart in front of the horse, so to speak, when it <laughs> comes to data and analytics, and say, okay, uh, you know, smart teams are are using data now. We'll just hire one of these guys and not have any ability to actually translate that into meaningful, correct decisions. And I like what you said about the top down philosophy because I think that's absolutely right. Not just in sports, but in business in general, it has to come from. Um, the person that is at the very top of an organization, otherwise um, that, that, that meaningful change will never take place. Um, you were recently at the MIT uh, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. Is that one of the things that you really saw as a big theme there was that uh, top-down idea and having people that can correctly uh, interpret what data means? Uh, was that a big theme for you or what else did you notice there at that, at that conference? Yeah, so what's interesting about the, the MIT Sloan's conference is it's both around data, sports analytics and business analytics. And I think on the sports side, um, the, the very big play which is happening right now, especially in, in a bit more in the US with the NFL, is around the players' data. That's the big play with the next-gen stat uh, mm -hmm. that's made available to all the NFL teams. When on the business side, I think one of the big play, which I think is very good, it's all about the, the compliance, about the rules and the law that are changing. So in Europe, uh, since F1 is based in London, we are under European regulations. So we have the GDPR, which is pretty much the European data protection uh, law. So making sure that every European citizen is protected and we have to comply with many different rules to make sure that we, we, we take care of that data. When in the US, Depending on which state you are, it's pretty much the Wild Wild West, to be honest. And mm -hmm. I think this is where the future is coming. I think it's, I see it very good for, for the fans because you don't want companies to do wrong things with the data. I'm not saying that anyone is doing it, but just making sure that making more compliant is a big play. I think it's going to be a big part in the future. Well, I'm excited to see what the future holds for data and analytics, and I'm excited to continue following Formula One and uh, seeing what you guys do next because it's been uh, really exciting just getting to follow how you have innovated over the last few years, and I think you guys are doing a great job. So, Max Mitchell, the Insight Manager for Formula One, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Max. Thank you very much, Tyler.
Well, thank you so much to Max Matral for joining the podcast today. I really appreciated his insight and getting to learn a little bit more about what Formula One is doing to really engage their fans and to grow the world of fandom. And I think that I really enjoyed his quote where he talked about knowledge is driving fandom. And the more that you know about a sport, the more that you understand the rules and how it works, the more likely you are to be a fan. I think that's absolutely true. So when sports open up their doors and open up their books of data and the different things that you can explore, I think it really does increase fan engagement and grows new fans. And uh, I think that that is a big aspect of why Formula One is so popular around the world these days. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Very much appreciate you listening along on this episode. If you've missed any episodes or you want to check out more content just like this, head over to marketscale.com. Click on Industries up at the top of the page and scroll down to Sports and Entertainment. There we have a bunch of content just like this. We have two interviews with athletic directors from around the state of Texas that I'm really excited about, that I really appreciate their insight on how to build a college program. Uh, Those are very interesting interviews. We also have more podcasts like this, written content as as well, all just kind of breaking down the industry of sports and entertainment. So make sure to check those out as well. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.